0: The Action Network Podcast, named best betting podcast or radio show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan.
1: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the Week 15 College Football Betting Preview. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. Been a lot of cancellations, a lot of chaos. College football is getting weird. A lot of uncertainty throughout the season, but we made it to the last full Saturday slate. We need to make the best of it. You ready to get to work here?
2: Yeah, I mean, when Incarnate Word in Arkansas State gets canceled, we're just going to have to find something else to gamble on this weekend.
1: Yes, the no Arkansas State for me. We have a lot to get to today, but let's start with the college football playoff update. I'll also ask you about some look-ahead lines, if you have any interest there, and in some of the conference titles that – are already set for next weekend. We'll do that once we get to the look-ahead, look-away segment. But first, in regards to the college football playoff, really devastating week for Cincinnati. They don't get an additional game against Tulsa because of COVID issues on their end. Um, And the Big Ten, Khaki's last stand, (laughs) Michigan cancels their game against Ohio State. But the Big Ten changes the rules. They put Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Our next data point on what the Ohio State secondary looks like is going to be against Northwestern. So it's, but, but what that means is Ohio State is getting into the Football playoff, and uh, there might be some reasons to bet against them, but that's a conversation for another day. So you assume that as of right now, it's going to, if Bama wins out, Bama's – In, if Bama loses to Florida, Bama might still be in. Uh, But let's say Bama wins out, Bama's in. Ohio State wins. State's in. Clemson wins the ACC title. Clemson is in. And then, you know, if Florida beats Alabama, Florida's in. And maybe Alabama's in. And then that's the end of the discussion. If Florida doesn't beat Alabama, Florida's out. And then the conversation comes down to Notre Dame with their one loss being Clemson. Texas A&M. What are your updated thoughts? Uh, Maybe the chance. What's up, Triple C Nation? We'll get to you. (laughs) What what are your updated thoughts on what this looks like?
2: In only a world that you and I are creating a college football playoff, could we get Coastal Carolina in there? Which, I mean, look at their wins. You know, I mean, BYU, Louisiana, App State. So, no, I mean, as far as the rankings came the other night, The biggest surprise to me is just how sometimes in these college football playoff rankings, you go throughout the years, whoever is projected to be in the Big 12 title game just rocket ships up the rankings. It happens every single year. Every time, you know, we know who the two teams are going to be in the Big 12 championship, no matter if they have two losses or not, they rocket ship and hover up around seven or eight. And what you've seen out of Iowa state is just this massive jump the last two weeks. And it creates, some sort of scenario, say Clemson beats Notre Dame by forty. Say you know Ohio State's in, or maybe Ohio State isn't in. I mean, that's the whole linchpin of all this. You want Texas A&M in, you want uh, Iowa State in, then you're going to have to have Ohio State lose Northwestern, which is highly unlikely. Uh, I, I think you're pretty good on your assessment of the three they're going to win their conference championships and get in. But ultimately, that Notre Dame win against Clemson is probably what's going to give them the four seed. Plus, keep in mind. College football playoff has never had a two loss team. They value conference championships and one loss records over anything. And if they can maintain a COVID-19 2020 pandemic college football playoff with four power five teams and nobody has two losses. I and mean, remember they, they had an Ohio state team a couple of years ago with two losses that deserved to be in the college football playoff. And instead they took an at large Alabama who then went on to win the national title. But committee hates two lost teams period so I think if you're Iowa State this is nice that you've gotten this high and you're about to break some program records but you're not going to make the playoff and and sadly enough the Cincinnati dream is dead uh falling from seventh to eighth without playing uh you have one game against Tulsa good job screwing Tulsa out of senior night good job screwing them out of homecoming earlier this season uh but Cincinnati's basically done. They got to beat Tulsa for a New Year's Six game. Uh, if they lose that game, that's where we get our Coastal New Year's Six, which really is a dream. So you sprinkled it there at the beginning, and I'll end by saying this. Ohio State is going to play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, and they are not going to get exposed in their secondary whatsoever. They more than likely are going to get Clemson in the Rose Bowl. They, the matchup that they need terribly is Notre Dame because Clemson and Alabama will – tear their secondary apart if you're Ohio State you want to be seated up with Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl in that two three spot so if you're you know Buckeyes fan you're cheering the Irish pretty hard to uh to beat Clemson because Clemson and Alabama will do dirty things to the Ohio State secondary what about the Pac-12
1: here we're gonna get the (laughs) USC can they get it can they get into this conversation if you have an undefeated Pac-12 championship or is it too Uh, too little
2: I know the committee's not looking at the things that I look at, and I put out a college football playoff preview on Tuesday on Action Network, and it's got some really nice, pretty charts that I put together that show the previous college football playoff contenders, what their success rate is, what their explosiveness, and what their finishing drives is. From an advanced statistical standpoint, pac does not belong anywhere near this playoff. Yep, I,
1: I agree with you. Let's get into our Let's segment we haven't done in a couple weeks uh, and look at some situational spots here and get into some look ahead or look away.
0: Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away?
1: This is a segment we do when there's a couple situational spots that jump out. Ultimately, the decision to play a game will boil a lot down to where we make the number and the discrepancy between our number and the market. But situational angles do play a role in college football and college basketball. Uh, you could have a team coming off of a big game that comes out a little flat. There could be a lack of focus. The teams might not show as much. They could pull their starters a little sooner than usual. All of these factors have to be considered. And with the conference championship weekend next week, we have quite a few of these games. We already mentioned that Northwestern
2: wow.
0: Pats Cats.
1: Northwestern will take on Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. But before that, Northwestern this weekend will take on Illinois at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Northwestern is a 14 point favorite over under 40. 40 4-0. We're going low in Evanston. Keep in mind, there are 25 to 30 mile an hour winds in this weekend there. And uh, if on the Action Network app and ActionNetwork.com, my friend uh, Danny Donahue, fellow GW alum, he has uh, always puts out a great article highlighting every weekend when relevant where all the weather games are. Illinois Northwestern's 24 to 25 mile an hour winds. The totals come down five points. Wake Louisville, by the way, Western Michigan Ball State. We'll get to there's a bunch of games on here that you're going to want to keep your eye on for weather. Wisconsin, Iowa could have some snow and big winds there. So, in this game, the question is, and I mean, just with on principle, when Northwestern's laying 14 and the total is 40, I <laughs> I have to look at the dog, especially with Northwestern. i already locked into the Big Ten Championship next weekend. Uh, so I made the line right around where it is. But the situation, the total, the weather, make me want – Nick, the line, I had an intriguing
2: dog to me. Thoughts here? Well, Illinois is one of those teams – Like Virginia Tech, you and I are, it's just like, it's like a new jigsaw puzzle every week for us to try to put together because of the COVID disruption to the rosters. We don't know, like, if if, if we've seen their best effort. Have we seen their healthiest effort? Or what have we seen with these teams? And I think when I go back to this spread and I look at this total, and you consider the fact that it's like 80% precip, 25 mile an hour winds, maybe worse, like you said, uh, there is no room for error. Uh, out of Northwestern here as far as if you want to go under the total of 40. And when you look at the Illinois spread, uh, I think the spread is fine. It's where it should be. But what I have issues with is the one place where Northwestern struggles, which is defending rush explosiveness. Illinois has a pair of backs that are averaging like six yards per carry. You know, I mean, Brandon Peters has recovered from COVID-19, and I think the conditions are going to limit his pass attempts. I think this is going to be a complete rush game. But for Illinois, both Chase Brown and Mike Epstein have, have had explosive runs, and they rank second in the Big 12 in, in, in total rushing yards. Uh, I think Illinois deserves a look at 14 and a half. We're not there yet. Right now, we're sitting at 14 and a half at BetMGM. Uh, I would suggest taking that. That is the buy point because there's just no room, uh, you know, for Northwestern to not, you know, have a perfect game in these kinds of conditions where it's just going to be two offenses running. Rush attempts all, all day because the weather dictates there's not going to – even in third and long, you're probably running a, a draw here. So I don't take much from Illinois' advanced stats. They are top 25 in offensive rush explosiveness. Uh, I think they're going to be able to break a couple. And, and remember in the bad weather, I mean, think about Ole Miss Alabama. Sometimes that favors the offense because they make the juke move. They know where they're going, and the defense has a problem with their footing. It doesn't always, you know, favor the defense here. So I think over is the way that I'm looking here. Uh, Illinois is just a, such a tough handicap. I would bet more on the fact that they're going to go over forty than I would on the fact Illinois plus fourteen and a half. But those are the two sides that I'm looking at. And just real quickly, we're going to spend next week going really in deep into all the conference
1: championship games. Uh, but as of right now, Ohio State look at line twenty and a half point favorite against Northwestern, fair or foul.
2: Yeah, that's the. I mean, the number I have is nineteen and a half uh, with a total of about in the high fifties. And, you know, this is – Northwestern does not have the goods to challenge Ohio State. Ohio State can name it. I think if they're going to name it, they want to secure a Rose Bowl spot because they don't want to face Alabama down in the Sugar Bowl. So we'll see how they do. Uh, You know, this is the same Big Ten championship I believe we just had a couple years ago, and and I think the spread was 17.5, and and Ohio State didn't have a problem covering that. Yeah, I think the number is spot-on correct, and uh, it'll probably – knowing the way the market's going to behave, it's probably going to hang at 20 and a half. And and, and we'll see if Northwestern can get the job done, but I doubt it.
1: All right. uh, Let's move on here to a couple other situational spots. Last week, the game of the weekend was BYU-Coastal Carolina. Went right down to the final second. It felt like, like a group of five playoff game. It was an emotional game. So you look this weekend and potential for letdown for both of those teams. Let's start with the Triple C dynasty. Call. <laughs> uh, they are at Troy. They've had a magical year. They are right now at BetMGM, MGM, and point favorites at Troy over under 51 and a half at BetMGM. And look, they come off that huge emotional win over BYU as double digit underdogs. And they're already locked in to the Sun Belt Championship next weekend against Louisiana. Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt. So this screams flat spot. I know you make the line right around 14. I make it around 12. Throw in this spot here. And this is now going to all of a sudden it turns into basically Troy's Super Bowl. And uh, since I make it 12 and there was a 14 out there, given the spot, I couldn't pass up on the Trojans. Thoughts here?
2: Well, first off, how much are we going to be putting on Coastal Carolina next week against Billy Napier, right? I can't even wait to get into that game. But as far as this game goes, yeah, it was the first bet that I made. Uh, Situational spot of the year. I mean, we're talking not just Coastal winning like the game of the year. We're talking game of the program. Talking at night, primetime TV, uh, college football playoff implications. This is the biggest game that they've ever had in their history until next week when they play the sun Belt Championship. So it's a huge hangover-slash-overlook sandwich spot.
0: We sure have a lot of sandwiches. 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 And these are the strangest-looking sandwiches I've ever seen.
2: Uh, And Troy, to their credit, is top 10 in the country in pass coverage. So Grayson McCall on these third downs, that he's had so much success in. If you know anything about Coastal or you're watching any of their games – they are fantastic in offensive success rate to the tune of running 14 plays, draining, draining nine minutes off the clock, being highly successful in scoring opportunities, playing keep away. You don't ever get to touch the ball. Troy has the ability to do, make a little disruption on the pass defense from a pass coverage standpoint, and they're not really a pushover in finishing drives. They're top 40 in defense, so, and they have a better tackling grade than Coastal Carolina does on their defense. So I'm not saying Troy's going to win the game. It's a great spot, and Troy should, you know, cover the 14 just based on spot alone. So we'll see how it works out. But we're going to turn right around, and we're going to back Coastal uh, against Louisiana. I- I'm a little nervous about Louisiana's, uh, you know, the-, the strength of their rush game. But, you know, Coastal's 8-1-1 and against the spread this year. And this may be, you know, you don't really want to get into the habit of fading teams that keep on finding ways to cover and make money for you. But we'll do it this week, and then we'll look to get back on the Coastal train next week.
1: Look at you all on the Coastal. Back on the coastal bandwagon after last weekend. Uh, I'm sorry. I've left you now. I failed you, Triple C Nation. Uh, but get back to that same game last weekend. Then you have BYU, who, you know, they came up a yard short. They, they go for we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime, which they did, in fairness, to then, all right, now we have a loss. Our outside shot at the College Bowl playoff is no longer uh, even a dream. And now they come home and play San Diego State. At BetMGM, BYU is a BYU is a seventeen and a half point favorite over under forty eight and a half against San Diego State. And the question here is like does BYU just come out flat. Now, the one thing I have to mention about San Diego State, my worst take of the college football season, of course, I've had many, uh, but was Tennessee having a great offensive line that's, that's going to make them competitive. <laughs> I think your worst take has been about the San Diego State offense. The San Diego State offense. I don't know why they keep naming the wrong quarterback. They, they, said, they said, again, Brookshire is going to start at quarterback this weekend. He is so bad. So bad. Last week he went – San Diego State won, but he went 14 of 24 for 130 yards. He's worse than Baker, and Baker was playing poorly. Against Colorado the week before, Brookshire went 7 of 19 for 50 yards and a pick. Average 2.6 yards per – I mean, these offensive numbers are pathetic. And they have that kid Johnson. I don't know why they don't put him in. He can at least run towards a tech transfer. They said that he might have a short leash this week, so maybe they put him in. Uh, The week before against Hawaii, Baker went 4 of 13 for 30 yards. Like, San Diego State's passing numbers are so bad. Um, So if BYU shows up here – You know, under might be a good look if you think BYU is going to come out flat too and you don't trust the San Diego State offense. Um, But if BYU cares at all, uh, I don't think San Diego State can keep up with them.
2: Um, Thoughts here? It's not really that I like betting on San Diego State, which I have a couple times this season. I like betting their overs. Uh, They're, you know, three overs this year, four unders, so it's paid off some, and sometimes it hasn't. It did last week against Colorado State, but the thing is, is there? It's paid off none. It, well, their totals move so much. I think I, it depends on what you're grading against because these totals move like eight points on San Diego State to the point where it gets down to like 40, and then you're like, "Well, I mean, it's so easy to go over." Just I admit,
1: know. admit this San-, San Diego State offense sucks. I can't admit. I love Heckler. Oh my yeah, God! You still can't.
2: These you guys still are can't. they. They are 12th in the nation in rush explosiveness. It's just electric when you see him take off. I love it. Oh, man. Now Let us let me tell a little story. I'm going to go deep into my past, show some of the podcast listeners how old I am. In 1998, Arkansas was undefeated 8-0 and went to play Tennessee 8-0. Woo, pig suey. Uh, what I'm going to get to here is, I believe a team reflects their coach. If a coach is high-strung and emotional, that feeds off onto the players, that feeds off onto the team, that feeds off onto the field. And 8-0 Arkansas went to play... In ten- at Tennessee, against 8-0 Tennessee, who eventually went on to play and win the national championship the year after Peyton Manning left. But Arkansas had the biggest soul-crushing loss in football that we've had in decades. And everybody remembers that game. I mean, it's in our intro of our podcast that Sterner stumbled and fumbled. What the
0: football? Oh, my goodness! He stumbled and fumbled!
2: And Houston Nutt is a highly erratic, emotional coach. And he just is, he was never able in his coaching tenure ever to recover from losses. When he took an emotional loss, he lost the next game. And so the next week after we lost to 8-0, 8-0, 8-0, and we lost Tennessee, we lost to Mississippi State, a team that had no business being on the same field as us. And that is a reflection of poor coaching. Coaches that don't have enough character to get their kids back up off the mat. How it relates to this game? I think it's the direct opposite with BYU. I think Kalani Sataki is the exact opposite of Houston Nutt. And I believe BYU is going to come out here and want to you know, dust themselves off, get up off the mat, and you know, make a statement. Can't make a New Year's Six here. That, that looks like it's been shot, but we can still make ourselves a great bowl game and BYU could still have a fantastic season. And Zach Wilson came out this week and said, there's no way I'm opting out of whatever bowl we fall into. So that's the only indicator – like, I went and read, you know, some of the pressers and some of the stuff, but Zach Wilson coming out this weekend saying, I'm not opting out for whatever bowl we land in. This team, I think, is tuned in, and I believe in Kalani Satake and being able to get up off the mat, brush themselves off, and put a thumping down on San Diego State. So I like the over here. Uh, I don't know about covering. I, may, I make it a little bit less. I think it's a bit inflated, but I think the over is the play here all the way. Not to mention San Diego you State's – San Diego State overs, man. Well, Jeez. not to mention the San Diego State's defense – is 123rd against rush explosiveness. That's almost dead last. So Tyler Algiers is, is just going to run wild. BYU should be able to break a 60-yard run. They're going to give him the Navy treatment. Just be able to break runs from any point on the field.
1: Well, the good news is there's not too many San Diego State overs left for you to bet in 2020. <laughs> Let's move on to our final two situational spots here, and that has to do with the SEC. Championship next weekend, which is already set in stone with Alabama taking on Florida. As of right now, that look ahead line looks like it's at about two touchdowns. I'm not sure how Florida gets stops, and it'll come down to how many stops Bama can get. Uh, that's basically what's going to determine the cover, which we'll talk about next week. But before then, both teams have games this weekend. Now, luckily, they're not, I don't think either could lose any of these games, but we don't really care about that. We care about the cover here. And more importantly, it's like Florida's playoff chances hinge on next weekend. They have to win. It doesn't matter if they beat LSU by nine or 14. If they beat Alabama, they're going to the college football playoff. I assume shouldn't say that with any certainty or guarantee. And then Alabama, they just can't lose this game. But if they beat Florida, they're in. If they lose the Florida, they might still be in. But, like, you, you don't want to really risk anyone getting hurt at this point. So, Alabama at MGM, 32-point favorite over under 68. And then you have Florida, 22-point favorite over under 67 at home against LSU. Florida seems a little high, especially with their defense and with their whole season resting on next weekend. But there's a lot going on at LSU and – I don't know where they're at mentally, which makes that tough.
2: There's no question about that.
1: (laughs) I'll turn to you with Bama-Arkansas, but this might be one of those games where I look at Arkansas in the second half as I assume Bama is just going to put the car in neutral and coast for uh, the entire second half if they have a big lead. But as always, I turn
2: to you for Arkansas. So what are your thoughts on these two games here? Put the car in neutral or put the rocket ship in neutral. Uh, (laughs) Alabama should stomp a mud hole in Arkansas, but there is, you know, situations to acknowledge in this matchup. There's no beef between Sam Pittman and Nick Saban. There's a lot of mutual respect. And I think what you saw the last two weeks was Nick Saban keeping his number ones on defense out there till the last drive against Auburn and LSU. He's got an axe to grind. He's got a grudge against Coach O. He's not too fond of Auburn either. And getting a cover for his fan. And by the way, Nick Saban knows where the number is. He uh, told, you know, Lane Kiffin that he absolutely knows where, how to cover. And so, you know, he made a, a covering effort against both his arch rivals. And now he's got to go up to Fayetteville when all and hopefully keep, you know, health for all of his players right now as Jalen Waddell is rehabbing and getting ready for the playoff. He's got to keep full health for the SEC championship next week. So I think the name of the game here is get in, get Mac Jones, his yards and his touchdowns for the Heisman, and get out. So I can see something easily being an Alabama 38-0 first half score. And the thing with Arkansas is Felipe Franks is probably not going to play with his injury. We lost our team captain on defense, Grant Morgan. He's third in FBS in tackles. Uh, He's still not practicing for the Hogs as of today. Huge loss on the defense for the Razorbacks. The word on the uh, word on Dixon street is that he's got a knee sprain. uh, And so he's probably not even going to play in our bowl game. Secondary is going to be depleted. Monteric Brown, he'll be missing from the defense with an undisclosed injury. Alabama is going to be able to score as much as they want. The question is, is when do they stop scoring? When do they pull that out and start putting in the twos and threes? And I think that happens probably at halftime. So, You know, Arkansas is running quicker with K.J. Jefferson. We'll we'll pivot over to Arkansas now. There's no give up in this team. It's not like they're going to get down by 45 and stop trying to score. And even in losing efforts, Sam Pittman has been questioned after the game saying, do you need to, you know, look at your tempo, maybe curb your tempo? And he said, no, we just need to do it better. Last week when K.J. Jefferson came in against Missouri, Arkansas, who averaged 21.8 seconds per play, actually increased two seconds to like under 20 seconds per play with KJ Jefferson, and so I think Traylon Burks, Traylon Smith, these weapons that KJ Jefferson has, it's all about the third quarter and fourth quarter. So, yes, that full game spread at 32, that is backdoor territory, complete backdoor territory. But the proper way to play this game is to take the over in the first half. Maybe Arkansas can contribute. I doubt it. Maybe they can get a touchdown on the board and and contribute. But the play in this game is to definitely take a first half over. 36 and a half would be preferred. And then once this game is in the second quarter, keep an eye on the middle eight. Will Arkansas receive the ball in the second half? If they do receive the ball in the second half, you want to make a live wager on Arkansas before their last possession in the second quarter. And hopefully you can get that number above 35. Maybe the live is in the 40s. That's the perfect way to play this game. Any interest in LSU Florida? This, this LSU team is just, I mean, you read some of this stuff. It's like a horror script. And, and the problem, you know, the LSU has now lost – you know, Eric Gilbert, Terrace Marshall, Racy McGrath. Those are three of the three of the top five receivers for this team. And then Jerry Jenkins is, is questionable for the game, which Boutte becomes like their only wide receiver on the team. And then if you look at what Florida's weakness is, it's the rush defense. They're terrible at defending the rush. So that makes me wonder if if Max Johnson is going to get the start, right? He's the more mobile dual threat quarterback. Uh, if there's going to be a lot more handoffs to Tyrion Davis Price, to John Emery Jr., Uh, I project this game at 61, like a full touchdown lower than what it's at. And I'm not sure if Florida is going to try to run this score up. There were some murmurs coming out uh, in the news about how Florida was not happy with the way the LSU game turned out last season. Well, I got news for you. Like everybody has got a vendetta against what LSU did in 2019. So everybody's trying to get their licks in against Coach O and these players that are in LSU uniforms. So I'm not sure how far Florida is going to take this uh the number is inflated like you mentioned i'm not going to play anything pregame. i i definitely not gonna lay anything on lsu but it'll be interesting to see what the game plan is because if you want to attack florida you're going to do it on the ground and that would mean max johnson needs to be your quarterback and if that's the case and we're running a whole bunch more i'm taking the under so i think under 68 uh or maybe a live under in the second quarter after kyle trask and kyle pitts take a seat is the best way to go all right let's move in to the marquee games of the weekend
1: it's another
0: fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting.
1: All right, let's start in the Big Ten with Wisconsin and Iowa. At BetMGM right now, Wisconsin is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under 42-and-a-half, but the unders is just minus 125. A lot of weather, a lot of wind. Wisconsin's one of my favorite players of the weekend. I was kind of giving shit to Graham Mertz. Everyone was fanboying him after the first game. And you know, he's lost his pass too, but I still have, I mean the Wisconsin D has been unbelievable by the advanced metrics. Now, the schedule hasn't been great neither as Iowa's, but like from an efficiency standpoint, from an EPA standpoint, they've been like the best defense in the nation in a lot of metrics. So the defense has been really good. They're not getting as much pressure as they normally do with their three uh, aggressive 3-4 blitzing defense, but their defense has been great. The rushing attack has been much better than I thought. There's no explosiveness there, but they can they can grind out yards on you. I look at this. I mean, I make them over a field goal favorite. So I grabbed minus well, I love minus one, so minus one and a half is fine. Because look, Iowa's five and two. Iowa is the ranked team here. Wisconsin's two and two. I think that what's really driving this number is kind of the perception on these two teams, but you know, you see Wisconsin lose 14-6 last week to Indiana. By the way, Indiana finishes seven and one. They were outgained on the year. Indiana was outgained in that game, 342 to 217 yards. Wisconsin averaged five yards per play, held Indiana to four. They lost 14-6. I mean they're, they're Northwestern beat Wisconsin 17-7 in their game before that. Wisconsin finished with 366 yards Northwestern. 263, 3.9 yards per play. And then they rolled Michigan and they rolled Illinois. So they've just been really unfortunate in their two losses. So I just trust their defense more. And and by the way, Graham Arts might be getting, I don't think I think Danny Davis might be out again, but Pryor might be coming back. He hasn't had his two best receivers, but I trust this Wisconsin defense more, you know, maybe snow heavy wind game. And I think that we're just getting some value here based on some recent fluky results with Bucky. So give me the Badgers here at minus one, minus one and a half. You agree?
2: Yeah. And there's other points to be made about the Wisconsin defense. And especially in this matchup, you know, Wisconsin is one of the best third down defenses in the nation. And this Iowa offense is pathetic on third downs outside the top 100. They've converted 33 of 93 attempts on third down. Uh, so Wisconsin is going to dominate uh, third downs here and get, and get Iowa off the field. I, I, listen, I, I, there could be a lack of points here, and I don't think it's just because of weather. I just think it's because of both defenses. Uh, as Stuck mentioned, Wisconsin is playing out of their mind on defense, but the offense just has no juice. In nine possessions against Indiana, the offense averaged one point per trip past the 40-yard line. That is terrible. Wisconsin is moving the ball. They're getting into scoring position. They're coming away with zero points. When I say zero points, when they faced Northwestern, they had six drives across the 40-yard line. They didn't come up with a point, a single point from their finishing drives. So, you know, Iowa is top five against explosiveness, so I don't expect Wisconsin to have any, you know, chunk yardage in here. I think, you know, mentioning what Iowa offensively is on third down and mentioning how unexplosive and there's no juice in the Wisconsin offense – I think you got to take an under here. I mean, no matter what the weather is, whether it's bad or it's good or whatever, I think you got to take an under here no matter what the number is.
1: Yeah, Wisconsin is a snail, an absolute snail. But, yeah, I mean, just look, again, just to hammer home my point, Iowa started off the year losing to Purdue. That loss looks – I mean, that loss looks worse now than it did then. They lost to Northwestern by one, you know, just a a random game. Then they, they blew up Michigan State. I mean, who cares? Oh, my God, who cares? They blew out Minnesota. That looks a lot less like who cares. They They blew out
2: defense. They had COVID defense week with Minnesota when they blew them out, too. Yeah, they blew out Penn
1: State 41-21, but you dig a little deeper there, box score dead even. Uh, You know, they barely beat Nebraska. They need a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Last weekend they beat Illinois. So, like, I'm not blown away by the results. And Illinois had 350 yards on them. So I think this is a good spot to get in on Wisconsin. I'm talking about finishing drives in Wisconsin. Now, where, where's uh, your San Diego State offense? They can't finish drives either. <laughs> All right. Sorry, on. Aztecs. I'm turn- we're still taking
2: yeah.
1: over. <laughs> Regression for both. Let's, let's get Wisconsin to the end zone here and uh, San Diego State for you this weekend. All right. Um, let's move on to our second marquee game of the day. Let's talk a little ACC at BetMGM, MGM, North Carolina is a three and a half point underdog at Miami, number 10 Miami, over under 67 and a half. I have some over, and I really like UNC. Kind of feels like deja vu, similar uh, numbers total with Notre Dame, but we talked about this in the NFL podcast that came out today. You gotta when you're betting, you gotta be a cornerback, you gotta have a short-term memory. And I make this line basically a coin flip, and I make the total a little higher. There's a, there's a, a bunch of notes on here. I'll try to be a little concise. Um, Miami has – I mean, they're coming off just a ridiculous dominant win over Duke, but it was Duke, I, I, which is kind of a theme for them. Their schedule has been kind of a joke this year, and they've played a number of backup quarterbacks. You know, when they played Pitt, I mean, Pitt with Joey Yellen is like a bad sunbelt team. Uh, that offense, uh, it's it's just terrific. They, they played NC State when they had a backup quarterback. So the the offenses and against NC State, they weren't even that great on defense. So the offenses that they played haven't been that great overall. So I think some of their defensive numbers are inflated. I love their defensive line. Look, you got Phillips and Rochet on the outside. You got silver on the inside. They can all generate a ton of pressure. That's the strength of the Miami defense. But they're vulnerable against the run and. I don't buy their secondary. And I think that's really where North Carolina, who can run the ball as well as any team in the country, with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, probably the best one-two duo in college football. Their top 10 rush success rate, Miami 70th in that department. And then when it comes to, you know, I mean, North Carolina is a top 10, top 15, top 20 offense overall. Miami's secondary, I'm don't. i I'm not a believer in it. I know to Corey Couch, Uh, Has played well and he took over for Blades, who's now out for the year. Blades is getting picked on a little bit and they couch took over on the outside. The problem without Blades now is out for the year is they have two true freshmen that are probably going to be out there. They don't have almost, they have no depth here because Christian Williams transferred back in December. Huge question marks for Miami secondary here and their run defense. Are they going to create some havoc with their? pass rush at times potentially you could see a defensive touchdown or a fumble because the UNC offensive line has been really bad left tackle and Richards has allowed six sacks 24 pressures that's fifth and sixth worst in the conference right tackle Jordan Tucker has allowed 13 pressures and one sack. 57.8 pass blocking grade from PFF so that's going to be worrisome against Phillips and Rocher if you get into passing down situations and their interior has been bad as well uh they're both guards and center position have allowed to combine 39 quarterback pressures but I just think that UNC will have plenty of success running the ball that they're you're not going to be in too many of these situations on the other side of the ball Bobby can't really I mean Bobby's who we who they've been last year just an approved version that they're it's it's all relying on explosiveness they are who we thought they were. It's an all-or-nothing type of offense, and I think the reason for that is a big part of that is their offensive line. It's not a good offensive line. 97th in line yards, 95th in rate. So there's no consistency here. There's no running game. They can hit some big runs. But North Carolina does struggle, It has struggled against mobile quarterbacks this year. That could be a problem against De'Ara King. Their secondary numbers from an ex- have been pretty bad for North Carolina, but they've been without basically their entire secondary all year long they've had so many injuries they're playing a bunch of true freshmen throughout the year but kyler mcmichael their second best corner he recently returned storm duck probably their best corner he's missed the last six games i think he's going to play this week so their secondary could be improved here but i ultimately think that this is a coin flip game i'll gladly take i gladly took three and a half. i would still take plus three Dworkin of doesn't play really fast, but they should have a ton of success here. Miami is a speed racer. They should hit some explosive plays. So I think there's going to be plenty of points here. Give me the over and uh, give me the heels. And hopefully we don't have a repeat performance from that Notre Dame game. Thoughts here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll echo the over with you. I mean, Miami's pass coverage rank of 63rd, uh, and they're outside the top 50 in defending pass explosiveness. That's just. You're asking for trouble against Sam Howell and that uh, elite unit of wide receivers. You have to remember Miami allowed 500 yards to Louisville, 550 yards to Clemson. You know, and then you look at the other defense. You look at the Tar Heels defense. UNC is, they're good at getting pressure on the quarterback. That's about it. So they have Sack in the top 30, but it's just ugly everywhere else. I mean, you mentioned the line yards. They're terrible in havoc. They're terrible against pass explosiveness. Uh, their tackling rank is 82nd per PFF. Uh, it's just not good with North Carolina on defense outside of flushing the quarterback out of the pocket, which is something I think Dear King will do on his own without having any pressure. So I think over is absolutely the way to play this game. As far as the side for me, I mean, I know, I hate to defer off to live. So if you're listening out there, like generally, you know, limits of books are like $1,000 for live bets. So if you're betting more than that, then maybe you need to take a side. I think it's a game where with such a high total, the pendulum is going to swing both ways. It's just the game that I've targeted for Saturday where I would like to place a live bet on North Carolina at plus seven, Miami at plus seven, because I think there's a high probability that this is a one possession game. Game at the end which could be some overtime uh we've had problems with that before with the oklahoma texas series so i think this is the game that i've targeted for large swings uh to take the point spread but i do like the over in this game
1: all right good stuff down there in miami gardens Let's move on to Army-Navy. I'm excited for this one. Hey, you maggots understand that. Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. If you haven't seen out on ActionNetwork.com and the Action App, I have a long write-up for this game. I even go into the history of this game. And The first game was in 1890. They played every year since 1930, but they actually didn't play 10 times. My favorite, they didn't play during... World War I, A couple years. They didn't play a couple years beca- because of eligibility arguments. There was a player death. But ba- they didn't play for like four years in the mid-'80s because after a game, there's two rumors about why. There was apparently an argument between an admiral and a general, and they almost had a duel after the game. I mean, you talk about how times have changed. And then there was also concerns – who was the president then? Grover Cleveland? I, whoever the president was then about betting – there was, like, scandalous betting going on. And here we are now, no duels anymore.
0: Sir, no, sir!
1: And uh, we're talking about betting for Army-Navy. So the other interesting thing about this game, it's not – I mean, it feels weird that this game is not on its own on a Saturday. It's just mixed in. At least it's on the, the primary CBS slate. Army at BetMGM right now is a seven-point favorite over under 37.5. This is is going to be played – At West Point, it's the first time that this game will be played on a campus site since World War II. Interesting tidbit for that game was only 15,000 people attended because FDR, the president at the time, implemented a 10-mile rule because they didn't want to interrupt the train service during World War II. So if you live within 10 miles, you could go to the game. If not, you couldn't go. Now we're going to have even less people. <laughs> we're going to have even fewer people there now because of COVID. There's not going to be fans, but there's going to be each school is going to have their students uh, in the stands, so um, there'll still be some atmosphere there. Um, look, what is the, I mean, I took the under. I took under 14 because I knew this was going to go down. These this under has hit 14 straight years. The average over under over that time, 49.2. The average point scored, 37.4. If every one of the totals were set at 40, the under would have went 9, 5, and 1. At, it's set at 37.5 right now. If it was set there, it would have a losing record. At 38, 6, 6, and 3. 38 is obviously a key number. It's hit 38 three times. You, know, you could have 21, 17. There, there you're 28, 10. You're at 38. So I I make it 36. And I I just think the market struggles to model service academies. They're getting better. These totals used to open up at like 48 and come down. But I think it's getting close to where it should be. And this might be the last, judging where the market's trending in recent years, this might be the last under, I bet, in this series. But yeah, it's at 14 straight years. And the reason is simple. These are two running teams. They're two triple option offenses that, Each team practices against every day. They're familiar with it. So the edge of having a unique offense goes away. These defenses know how to defend it. And then you have two teams that just eat up the clock. And they're just – you have to model these teams differently because three yards on first down is a success, three-yard run. Three-yard run for Alabama is not a success, right? And then – because they're going to go for it fourth and one all over the field. Now, when you're playing at under 40 and a half, I would play it under 38 still. You have no margin for error. You just got to accept that. Like, there's pitches – in option off like depending on where the pitches are fumbled if there are some if there's a defensive touchdown you you could be screwed but the navy offense is broken broken they've used so many quarterbacks it's insane and why is it broken well they're getting nothing from the quarterback position and nothing from the slotback position malcolm perry now the dolphins set the FBS record for rushing yards for quarterback last year. They haven't been able to replace that. Their quarterbacks are averaging 1.4 yards per carry. All they have is the fullback dive. That's it. Their slot backs and their quarterbacks are averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Their fullbacks, Carothers and Smith, they're averaging 4.7 yards per carry. But that's Army, that's, it's Army strength. Is it's run defense. It's stout up front. And they obviously know the triple option. There's just no threat on the outside for this Navy offense. It's horrible. They are averaging 3.7 yards per carry. That's 96 in the country. You have to go all the way back to 2001 to find the last time that Navy averaged under four yards per carry for a season. They're usually top 10. So the only thing that could go wrong, I mean, if Dale Morris is freshman quarterback, he's a pro-style quarterback, if they put him in there and say we're going to throw it all day, the under is probably screwed. I'm assuming they don't do that, but you never know. But the offense is broken. The defense was awful early in the year. It's been a lot better the past two games. It really held Tulsa and Memphis in check, held them both to under 20 points. So I think the defense is trending in the right direction. The offense is just broken this year. Nothing else you can say about it. Army, their defense has played well. Their offense is okay. They're averaging five yards a carry, 30th in the nation, but – against the three competent defenses they faced Tulane, Georgia Southern, and Cincinnati, they only averaged four yards per rush. You just for an opponent, this offense is a below average unit. So I just don't think either of these offenses are any good this year. I mean, Army's seven and two, but they have, here are their seven wins. Middle Tennessee, ugh, Louisiana Monroe, Abilene Christian, the Citadel, Me meet, meet, Mercer, and Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern, they won on flukes and got, and got dominant in the box score. So, I don't think this their offense is any good. So, look, it's important to know just because it went under 14 years in a row doesn't mean it's going to go under 15 years in a row. And this is applicable to many things in betting. If there is a trend that makes sense, and this one does, the market just struggles to price triple option teams over longer than of other things. Over time, the market is going to price out, you know, any trend advantage, any any one of these things that people catch on to. It was kind of like West Coast teams going east. In the NFL 10, 15 years ago, there's a lot of instances of this. So don't just think because it's, something's been free money in the past means that it's free money in the future. That's why it's important to set a number. And I've been fairly successful in service academy betting. And I said this at 36. So um, give me the under here. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, long gone are the days of the odds makers just saying, oh, we have, you know, this team total for this team and this one for this one. We'll put them together and, oh, here you go. We should put out an opener of 54, which allowed you and me and a few other sharp people that are sharp out there to lay as many unders as possible before a closing number that would move like 10 points south. Those days are over. Now we're opening around 41. We're closing around 38, 37. So, yeah, the trend is not going to be alive forever. At some point, these overs are going to start coming, especially with this thing keep you know, continuing to dip. And you're right about Navy. Cain Reynolds isn't there. Malcolm Perry isn't there. And this offense is horrendous. And the only thing that makes the offense looks look worse for Navy is the defense. Defense is outside the top 100 in so many categories. It's easier for me to name off the categories where they're not ranked outside the top 100. Uh, that would be pass explosiveness, which is, you know, crazy because they don't really pass that much. So to me, the game, the handicap in this game is is all the same. It's always trench warfare. You got to look at the line yards. You got to look at the power success. You got to look at the stuff, right? That's army on both sides of the ball. Uh, not even close when you look at the advanced splits. I think it's huge home field advantage. Now I, I've read everything. There's going to be 4,300 corps of cadets. There's going to be 4,300 uh, you know brigade of of the midshipmen. You know navy. Uh, I believe they requested that for every VIP pass that Army gets, they get to have a, a, a the same amount of VIP passes. So there should be an even number of heads uh, watching this game. But I think, you know, the advantage is the travel perspective. But, you know, I think for Army, it's a really big deal to play at home and to play in their stadium and to play in front of their cadets and, and their fans, their VIP fans. So this has just been a struggle of a year for Navy. There's been rumors of their head coach, you know, leaving for another job. Uh, there's a huge special teams advantage here too. So when we think about punting or we think about field goal kicking, uh, we're talking Army being 27th and SP plus special teams and Navy being 99th. Big advantage here. So I like Army up to the seven. The seven and a half, I think we may be pushing it, considering it could be low scoring, but I think it's Army or nothing here.
1: I like how you said the the uh, Navy head coach and not uh, Ken mm-hmm. Niamatola.
2: Man. Ken we Mia yeah, we got that out of the way the first week against BYU, so I'm not – we can just have a yeah. audio producer Matt Mitchell throw in when we got it correct. When you do this for real, don't ever say that. Yeah, the
1: the one thing I will say about the Navy defense, which why I have more confidence in this under, and I've upgraded them, is their defense was an absolute train wreck for their first seven games. And we saw the BYU game. They gave a 55, the first game of the year. We didn't know right. how good BYU was going to be, number one. But they didn't practice tackling, right? And then the next week, it was – they kind of woke up in the second half, but then they got blown up by Air Force. I, there was issues going on in this Navy defense. They're, they played SMU on October 31st on Halloween. They gave 51 points. Then they had a month-long break because they all they had three straight cancellations. So over that month-long break, I was curious to see, did the maybe this offense can figure something out. It didn't. They were horrendous against Memphis. And they did absolutely nothing against Tulsa last week. But the defense seemingly did figure some things out. And it's a unit that, had, that was really good last year and brought some talent back led by linebacker Diego Fagot. So over the last two weeks, they held Memphis to 10 points and Tulsa to 19. So I trust that the defense is at least going in a positive direction after the last two results. The offense is still a disaster. They, I don't know what – they didn't
2: figure a thing out over that month break. So uh, I'm rolling with the under. I agree with you there because you and I looked at that box score two weeks ago and we didn't know how that Memphis game ended 10-7. But yeah, something's happened with the defense because we've had two weeks in a row now of extremely low scoring games. So uh, definitely something to take in take in here. Maybe we don't rely on the stats that have that go all the way back to Labor Day. Uh, You know, maybe things have changed with that huge layoff.
0: The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show.
1: All right, let's get to our final marquee game of the weekend. And let's talk some Pac-12 at BetMGM. This case at 7.30 Eastern on ABC, by the way. USC is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at UCLA over under 62. I took some USC minus three. I know it's a death wish taking Clay Elton on the road. Uh, I can get a better number now, but I make this closer to six. UCLA is three and two. Some of their defensive metrics look okay. But I think that they've benefited from an extremely, extremely beneficial schedule. I mean, they start off the year against Colorado. They lost 48-42. So it's like they gave up 530 yards to Colorado. Colorado's offense has enlightened the world on fire since. Then they played Cal, who was on – I mean, that game was on a Sunday, just scheduled randomly, and Cal has been dealing with COVID issues. Then they lost 38-35 to Oregon. They had their backup quarterback, but we've seen that Oregon is not who many people thought they were. Oregon went for 6.6 yards per play. They beat Arizona 27-10. Arizona did nothing, but their quarterback got it on the first play of the game. And then last week, they beat Arizona State. And Arizona State, by the way, had more yards, higher yards per play, average 6.2 yards per play. They've had some fluky results UCLA. And USC hasn't been great, but I trust their offense. And the one UCLA has been really been relying on getting pressure. The whole error rate. I mean, Slovis is getting rid of the ball so quick, and I just trust him more than DTR. And people have been talking about this UCLA secondary as being an improved unit, and obviously it's going to be key here against USC and their error rate with Slovis and their great receivers. But look at who UCLA has played. Look at who they were last year. This is one of the worst pass defenses in the nation. And now everyone is saying, oh, Paul Rhodes is out, Arizona. All his guys, his coaching is paying off. Their technique is better. All this stuff. Why? They, there was a, a, a shortened – like none of these Pac-12 teams got work in the offseason. It's not like they were getting tons of reps. Why, why would this UCLA secondary all of a sudden be really good? I'm not buying it. Um, I'm selling UCLA here. I trust USC's offense more. USC's defense hasn't been great, but I think it can get enough stops here. And I make this – basically, I just make this closer to six. And uh, so give me the Trojans here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Wrote it up for Action Network. It will be published uh, on Friday morning, probably as you're listening to this. Uh, You know, this – Listen, we could just take all the reverse line movement and just chuck it and throw it in the trash because that's exactly what's going on here with, you know, the ticket count, the handle, everything coming in on USC, yet we've had a dip down to two and a half. I think that number should be higher. And, you know, let's, let's break it down on how these teams are going to score. Doreen Thompson-Robinson, UCLA, they've had a ton of success on the ground, and they've been at a pace of 20th and seconds per play. And there's, you know, they should have plenty of scoring opportunities in this game There's been a massive push for UCLA in this game, but I think there's a couple of factors in there. It's, you know, USC just had a game on Sunday night, so they're going to be on a little bit of short rest. Uh, People are starting to, you know, fall for this UCLA offense against the schedule that they've had, like you mentioned. Uh, You know, I I can see what's going on in the market. The market dictates that UCLA should be the play, but the market has not been right on this USC team the last couple years, especially when the air raid starts to click. This happened last year. Uh USC looked terrible in a couple games to start the season because the air raid offense is not something you come out firing on all cylinders. It just doesn't happen overnight. I guess unless you're Mike Leach of Mississippi State, then it falls apart for the rest of the season. But generally, I mean Mike Leach has talked before that he doesn't want his teams to have bye weeks. He doesn't want a break in the schedule. He wants his quarterback and his wide receivers to stay in rhythm. And to do that, you got to keep on playing games. So after struggling against the state of Arizona, USC is finally, you know, putting up a ton of passing yards now, and Slovis is hitting everybody all over the field. And I think it's, you know, it's important to point out that, yes, they were granted a ton of great field position against Washington State, but they still converted five touchdowns uh, and scored a ton. And in this spot last year, I mean, all the hype is on UCLA and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and this defense is going to shut down USC, and USC area doesn't click in. And then Condon Slovis came out and threw 500 yards 500 yards against these same Bruins. So I'm not buying it either. You know, like I said, I make the number higher. I think the number is just too short to be betting on UCLA. I'm not going to be a slave to the whole RLM and be scared of it. I think USC is the play. And I can see right now is, you know, we're talking that I think, I think eventually this will close at three, maybe three and a half. So if you're listening to this on Friday morning, not sure the two and a half is going to stick around very long. I concur. All right, let's move on
1: to the best of the rest. Let's go back to the ACC here and talk a little Virginia. Virginia Tech, they'll meet on Saturday night in Blacksburg for the Commonwealth Kelp. And Virginia Tech had 15 straight wins over Virginia until last year when Virginia finally ended that drought. Uh, I think this is actually – a spectacular buy low spot on Virginia Tech. And I saw last week that they cared against Clemson. They played him even for three quarters. They had all their quarterbacks get hurt, but apparently Burmeister's okay. And then Hooker's okay. It's going to be 45 degrees, not 30. So he's not going to be too cold. Apparently that's all it was, <laughs> which is important. Um, so Virginia, look, they started off the year, they're five and four, but they started off the year with a win over Duke after Duke lost both starting corners. Duke's been dreadful. Then they lost four straight. <clears throat> they now won four straight, but let's throw out the Abilene Christian win. So they've won three straight in the ACC. They beat North Carolina. They gave up 8.8 yards per play. They had five and a half. They played Louisville, who had their whole team out with COVID, including their two best offensive players and a bunch of defenders. They beat Louisville. They gave up eight yards per play, averaged 5.7. Last week they played BC. BC had its starting quarterback out, and they both averaged eight yards per play, and they gave up a school record for BC passing yards with their backup 520 yards tied Doug Flutie's record. So these three wins have been pretty fluky. They benefited from some injuries and they have injuries themselves. I mean, they lost Charles Stone, their best defensive player, two games ago. He's their, was their sack leader, their team captain, their vocal leader. And last week against BC, they were without both starting linebackers, five defensive linemen and a starting safety. The defense is really bagged up. The defense has just been dreadful all year. And Virginia Tech, on the other side, people just are jumping off this team because they're now four and six on the year. They've lost four in a row, complete opposite of Virginia. But two of those losses, the first two losses, came against Liberty and Miami. They were by a combined four points. They could have won both those games, two ranked teams. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Then they laid an egg at Pitt, and I said, maybe this team's quit, but... Last week, they didn't look like shit. I think I'm just rhyming shit now. Mm. So that showed me that they still cared. And this is an in-state rival. They lost two last year. I think they show up here. I think the Vatek rushing attack is the, the most reliable unit in this game. Brennan Armstrong's been good on the offensive side, but this Virginia defense has been so bad. So bad. Uh, both defenses have been really bad, but I, I trust the Vatek rushing attack to get it done here. Assuming that Hooker's not too cold. Uh, give me the Hokies under a field goal here at Lane Stadium, by the
2: way, in Blacksburg. Any it's thoughts? Crazy for us to watch that game. I thought he was having convulsions. I thought he was – I don't know. I didn't think it was hypothermia. I didn't think he was too cold. I literally thought he was having a seizure. And now, next day on Sunday, he's fine. He was just cold. I mean, do we not have enough in the in the budget for the Hokies? Like, couldn't Clemson have supplied some heaters? On the sideline, I, it was just amazing to me that he, the, the answer was that he was just cold because I, I literally thought he could have some sort of like career ending seizure that would probably, I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So, Hindenhooker is going to play. And if it's not too cold, then that helps that boost the Virginia Tech offense, especially against a Virginia defense that ranks 113 in defending pass explosiveness. That's not very good. They're 115th in pass coverage. That's not very good. Now, what's kept me off from Playing Virginia Tech this week, you know, I, I saw it at one and a half, and I thought, you know, this is a great by low spot on this team. But what kept me off early in the week was Bronco Mendenhall coming out and essentially telling everybody, we're not going to a bowl. And the ACC told us we need to schedule a game for December 19th. And I said, no, this is it. This is their last game. Virginia has said the season has been long enough. We all, the players, got here in June, they all missed their families. We don't want to go to a bowl. That extends practices. We do not want to schedule a December 19th game. And playing Virginia Tech is the perfect ending to this particular season. So how does that play into the handicap? I would like to lay it with Virginia Tech. Uh, I do think we're going to get a best effort out of Virginia, even though you know, they're missing like, one of their best defensive players and Charles Snowden. Uh, he's out for the year. BC you know, put up like 500 yards against him. I expect there to be a ton of offense in this game. Uh, Virginia Tech's going to bust explosive plays against Virginia. Virginia Tech's finishing drives is 108th in the nation. They let everybody score. They let everybody score touchdowns, not field goals. So for me, I'm going to play the over in this game. Virginia should be hella fired up considering it's their last game, considering last year's the first time they won in 15 years. Big rival. And... You know, I, I I agree this is a by-low spot. I think Virginia Tech wins the game, but more importantly, I think there's a ton of points here. Don't hate that call.
1: BC made a similar call, by the way, and they're not going to a bowl. You might see a lot of teams do that. Keep your eye on that over the next week or two because essentially these bowl games are just like another road game. It's not like a big spectacle, and you're going to travel and get to do a bunch of stuff. And So some teams are going to be like, look, these kids can't go see their families over the holidays, so we're not going to a bowl.
2: Maybe we get accurate in a bowl. Uh, that's, that should be the goal. There's yeah. only a certain number of programs. I mean, think about this. I don't know what's going to get scheduled next week. There's going to be a lot of shit scheduled on the fly. But you're keeping these kids on the campus through Christmas if they're playing in a bowl game past the 25th. And you're not allowing them to see their family. I completely agree with some of these programs that are like, listen, we're checking out. Now, if you're a team like Arkansas, where you're in a first you know, first-year head coach, and you're a program on the rise and you're building up, you're going to stay and bust your ass to go to that Gator Bowl or go to that Texas Bowl. You're going to do what you got to do. But some of these programs that, you know, have not had a successful season versus where they thought they should be, I completely agree with them making a call like, we're not scheduling any more games and we're not going to go to a bowl game. It's just not worth it.
1: Yep. By the way, let's hope that college, I mean, you're seeing some announcements a college basketball. I think Duke just announced that they suck. I mean, that they are not playing any uh, non conference games. So hopefully college basketball continues continue because college basketball podcasts are coming soon, people. More details to come shortly. Uh, all right, let's move on to a game. I'll let you talk about this game because my stance is clear. Uh, we're going to the MAC, we got to talk some action. Western Michigan at Ball State at Bed MGM. Ball State's a two and a half point favorite over under under 69 and a half minus one twenty. This game's at Noon Eastern on ESPN. Both teams are four and one right now in the Mac. Buffalo is four and 0 oh in the MAC East, and they have a win over Kent State is three and one. In the MAC West, West of Michigan and Ball State are four and one. Winner of this game is going to play Buffalo in the Mac Championship game. If you go back to my Mac manifesto, I hyped up Ball State. That was my future, nine to one. I pretty much am higher on Ball State than everyone in the market. I love them. I love that the way their defense has looked lately. I love their offense. So it's not hard for me here. I make Ball State way higher favorite than anyone else. I'm on them under a field goal. Uh, any quick thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I mean Ball State's 84th in pass coverage, so they got to be you know they got to have their best effort here when they go up against Western Michigan when they get into passing downs. Uh, Western Michigan is a team that usually runs the ball. I do like the under here for the simple fact that Ball State is 58% run ratio. Uh, they've had lots of success on the ground against Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, uh, and Western Michigan is predominantly a, a run first team. And we have some heavy weather here uh, with a total that I thought was a touchdown too high. I projected at 63 uh, and. And so, you know, if we had to play it here, you know, I would probably have a no play on the side and, and take a look at the under, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the under past 67 and a half.
1: Yep. Major weather to consider there with, with heavy winds. Our last game that we'll touch on before we go to three and out. Uh, yeah. This game is supposed to be on Friday night, but it got moved to Saturday at noon because Ohio state Michigan got canceled and that's one and two Utah, two point underdogs at bed MGM at four and O Colorado over under half. Colorado's been one of the most surprising teams in the country. I like the Utes here. I think Colorado's been all smoke and mirrors. Last week, yes, they beat Arizona. Was that last week? Yeah. Last week they beat Arizona. Whoop-de-doo, they beat Arizona and their backup quarterback. The week before that, they beat your beloved San Diego State's offense and their third-string quarterback. Whoop-de-doo. And then you go back to Stanford game. They won 35-32 against Stanford. They got 400 yards to Stanford. And then the first game of the year, they beat UCLA 48-42. Both teams at have, have 500 yards. UCLA had seven and a half yards per play. I mean, I, I just think this Colorado team has gotten fluky results. On the other side, Utah's one and two. But before the year, it was a team I wanted to sell early. They lost to USC to start the year. Then they lost by three. At Washington, and then they won by six last week against Oregon State. But it was a team early in the year new quarterback, new running back to replace the quarterback and running back that went to the NFL. They lost 10 of their top 12 defenders, eight of which are on NFL rosters. It was going to be some growing pains for a team that got started late in this unprecedented season, but very well coached team. I've liked what I've seen from the defense so far, despite all that turnover. I like some of the things that I saw from Bentley last week. I think it's a good spot to buy Utah low. I make Utah a favorite here. I think of a field goal. So I gladly took the points. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Utah is the play here. I think a lot of people will be shocked at the fact that Colorado is the undefeated team and Utah is the one that's favored here. I'm waiting for the uh, media on my TV to tell me that this is an upset when Utah wins. I think you have to look into the Utah box scores and realize that there is a ton of post-game win expectancy uh, that was in the Utes' favor. They actually, you know, that had some covers, and against Oregon State, there was some points late that the, you know there was some scrambling points late. That, that was actually such a large gap uh, between Oregon State and Utah uh, throughout most of the game. And I mentioned the Colorado's top five in defensive success rate, but look at their schedule. My newly beloved San Diego State offense, the Arizona offense, and so it's a bit misleading what they've been able to do. And I and they were gifted four turnovers against UCLA, so you know it, it really hasn't been as impressive. Once you get to t- take a deep dive into what the Buffaloes have done, I love Sam Neuer, quarterback. Uh, I think he's becoming a bit overvalued. He does have a lot of design runs, and that's been a big part of the Colorado offense. But that's just not going to get it done against Utah, who is fifth in the nation in defending rush explosiveness and twenty sixth in in defensive rushing success rate. So. I think there's going to be an issue with Colorado doing their ground game, what they do with Neuer, whether it's designed runs, scrambles. Uh, I think Utah is going to shut all that down. I like the Utes here. Completely
1: agree. Also keep in mind every year, but there's one or two exceptions. It seems that Utah has elite special teams and uh, that appears to be the case again this year. Kobe, their returner, he's just, he's explosive and their special teams look really good this year and, Colorado has some gaps in their special team, so that could end up being the difference as well. All right, before we get out of here, let's go three and out.
0: One, two, three.
1: Let's
2: make it a quick three and out.
1: All right, uh, let's start with some Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts.
2: Let's go play some football. Let's go, All
1: right, let's start with a game I will not be betting. <laughs> UTEP. As a nine and a half, nine, minus nine and a half, minus 120. they basically a 10-point favor at home against North Texas. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. At 6 Eastern. I don't you think this, this game's on TV. Uh, pass for me. I make this line right at 10. That, the thoughts here on the Mean Green and Minor Nation. Maybe Minor Nation will finally call back. What's going on?
2: I can't Pizza believe. Pizza parties. I can't believe you're not betting this game. I was going to do a deep dive. I hate North Texas after that. I know I, know. I know. I tweeted this out earlier this week. I said, listen, you and I had a whole discussion about how North Texas is unbettable. They are unbettable. We, we can't put our money behind these guys. And then I go and I read UTEP's, you know, presser, the Dana Demo presser, and he's like, well, we've had this name, this name, this name, this name, this name, all these opt-outs. Go and check it out. It's their top four guys in the secondary. All their safeties and corners have opted out like three, four days ago. So, you know, the total right now, you know, BetMGM, 63 and a half. Can UTEP do their part to contribute to the over here? All I know is North Texas is going to be able to throw all day. I don't know if you're just going to pull random people off the sidewalk in El Paso and line them up as, as secondary. I don't know who's left when you have all four of you. You should your- get
1: our friend, our pizza party friend, to get in there. This is Jason, minor mother effing Mason. Just covered yet another spread. I heard Colin on the podcast going, oh, you only covered by one point. Actually, hold on. Here's my bookie right now. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, you're not going to pay me more this week because they covered by 23 instead of one? Oh, my God. You're going to pay me the same amount. Oh, all right. I guess that's cool, man. All right. I got to get back. I'm on the phone call. Wow,
2: that's crazy.
1: Anyway, I hope you guys eat a bag of sh- the size of the distance from Lexington to El Paso, baby. Boom.
2: Hey, suit them up and let, let's get them going. So, I mean, I think the wise bet here is to take a North Texas team total over. I'm not sure UTEP can contribute to the to getting over the, the current total right now. Uh, but just keep that in mind. I'm definitely not laying any UTEP money here uh, considering the opt-outs that are going on right now their pace on offense is extremely slow their finishing drives has been terrible all season uh and really i hate betting north texas but man you have this many opt-outs the only play is a north texas team total over or taking a game total over
1: i i don't think i could bring myself to bet that game um well seven eastern espn 0-2 arizona state at and 4 arizona Arizona State's an 11.5-point favorite, I bet, MGM. Over under 56.5
2: makes sense of this mess. I think it's going to be a blowout by Arizona State. One of these teams cares. One of these teams doesn't. One of these teams will have a head coach returning next year. One of these teams won't. Uh, Arizona was spotted 13 points last week. Spotted 13 points. After that, didn't score again. And, you know, they are terrible and, and so many different metrics on offense and in defense. The only thing they're really good at, they're 16th in seconds per play. They're fast. At least they get off the field fast, but they're 113th on offense and finishing drives. Uh, things are just terrible from a defensive standpoint. They're 127th in sack rate. There's only 127 teams playing. So that tells you what Arizona is able to do as far as, uh, you know, get, getting pressure there, uh, against Jaden Daniels. So, I like Arizona State here to, to cover that that fat spread. And the last game on Friday night,
1: as a game I will be on, Nevada, 2, 2.5-point two underdog, over under 59 at San Jose. No, not at San Jose State. This game's at where UNLV plays, I believe. And Nevada is 6-1. and one. San Jose State's 5-0, and oh, quietest 5-0 and oh team. Your boy, Nick Starkle, uh, in the country. I make Nevada a one point favorite here. Remember, this is this game's being played in their home state. So I gladly took three. Oh, well, as soon as I saw three, I make a one point favorite. Romeo Dubs. That's my guy. No nope. I I make a team a one point favorite. I see plus three. Don't really have to put much more thought into it than that. Uh so I'm riding with my Wolf back here after their win last week over Fresno. San Jose State, for what it's worth, was on the island last week, and now they're traveling here. They've, everything's been up in the air. They're not allowed to play where they play. Now they're going to Nevada. But, again, I make Nevada a slight favor. Give me the pack. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying take Reno here. Uh, I think that number is going to disappear. I, I make the game a pick, and I expect that the number to keep floating that way until we get there tomorrow night. And the big thing is Carson Strong going up against a San Jose State defense that is outside the top 100 in defending pass explosiveness. And, you know, the San Jose State, they had a pretty soft schedule. They, I think the first three or four teams they beat had a hard time finding a win. New Mexico just got a win uh, finally last week. And, you know, Nevada throws 60% of the time, and that's going to be a problem for San Jose State, who's really excelled on the defensive side of the ball and defending the rush. Uh, the pass is a different story, so uh, you know San Jose State's going to get their licks in, but I, I I do like Nevada much better here. They'll be on that thirty nine dollars Southwest flight uh, from Reno down to Vegas, uh, but yeah, definitely taking the Wolf Pack.
1: All right, second down. Let's get the prices right. Music in here, and let's start. We're going to talk about our favorite overdogs. Let's start in the Mac Buffalo. 32-and-a-half point favorite at BetMGM at home over Akron. Buffalo is a snail. Akron is a snail. But does Akron get any stops? Did Akron
2: win the Super Bowl last year? Price, is the price right? I make it 30-and-a-half, so we're going to say the price is wrong. We are not going to buy Buffalo. Uh, Tion Dollar, MVP of the podcast, rolling over Bowling Green. Can Akron get it up and just cover the 32-and-a-half? I, I think the number is a little high, and why does Buffalo give a shit about this game? I don't know. So price is wrong here. Next up, TCU,
1: 21 and a half point favorite at BetMGM at home against Louisiana Tech. TCU is coming off of a big win. Louisiana Tech, they're playing in Texas again. They added this game. I don't care. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna let you get on this, but I make this twenty-eight. he makes it fourteen. I think you make it twenty-one. I'm yeah. the lowest person in the world on Louisiana Tech. All their wins are fraudulent. I don't see how they score in this game unless TCU just doesn't show up. I think. The price is right to lay with TCU. Um, try to find a 21, which you should be able to do. Uh, is
2: the price right here for you? It's. I like it at 21. I don't like it at 21.5, but I don't want to fade TCU when they get on these hot streaks. When Max Dugan is, is doing all kinds of things and the, and the defense is actually showing up. TCU has had moments of just like, they just don't show up to these games. But when they do, they're on fire. And I think LaTeX traveling a second week in a row and pretty uh, horrible in some of the advanced metrics. I'm. I, I would lay on the 21 here. Price is right.
1: Yeah, I know Louisiana Tech, they love that Texas recruiting had a lot of success there. But if as long as TCU cares, a shouldn't score. And the last one here. We already mentioned that we have to talk Hawaii. Hawaii's a 21-and-a-half point favorite at home over
2: winless and coverless and pathetic <laughs> UNLV. Uh, is the price right? As, has UNLV won a game? Nope. Has UNLV covered a game? Nope. The price is right. It doesn't matter what the price is. The price is right for Siobhan Cordero to do. If he wants to go through the air, he'll go through the air. If he wants to go on the ground, we'll go on the ground. The price is right on Hawaii.
1: All right. Great stuff there. Before we get out of here, one last order of business, and that's our favorite Moneyline Underdogs.
2: Turning good weekends into
1: great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'll start. That's that's bad. But we're going back to Mr. Mike Leach. You know, I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. The reason I don't think there is because we found bones of dinosaurs and everything else, but we haven't found bones that I've heard of, of Bigfoot. And Mississippi State, they're at home against Auburn. Uh, Mississippi State's coming off the bye. And if you look, Will Rogers, who I've been calling for, has been on fire. They could have won that game against Ole Miss, by the way. They had 500 yards, and Will Rogers threw for 440, three touchdowns, no pick. The week before against Georgia, a really good defense, he threw for 336, a touchdown, no picks. Offense is starting to get on a roll. They've had a bye. Meanwhile, Auburn, we know about their defensive issues. Their pass success rate, defense, horrible. Mississippi State should have tons of success moving it up and down the field. And, and this is a screams flat spot for Auburn. Auburn just, just coming off games against Bama and Texas A&M. Now they go to Mississippi State to close out the year. This could be the end of the Gus era. If you look back at what Auburn has done this year, who have they beat by more than one possession outside? They had that fluke Kentucky win early in the year, and they had that one good performance against LSU, who we've known has been a fluke. And then they they have, shouldn't have even come close to winning by double digits against Tennessee, but we won't get into that. But uh, Auburn's defense is terrible. This is a great spot to get Mississippi State. Just ah, one of the best situational spots of the weekend. Rolling with Leach. It's not whether you win or lose. It's like the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring in the little league anymore. Yeah, I you agree there. Or where are you go?
2: 100% agree there. Uh, Auburn's not going to get any pressure. They're 77th in sack rate and they're 114th in defensive passing success rate. I completely agree. I'll be honest with you on Mississippi State. Couldn't go and torture the Coastal Carolina fans. I'm not going to take Troy as an outright, but I am going to take a double-digit dog. I thought about it, too. I'm going to take New Mexico. Now, a fifth-string quarterback won his first game. I'm not going to quote off any advanced numbers around New Mexico because they're terrible. They're horrible. But at this point in the season, where we're at in December, with, you know, a new head coach and Rocky Long as your D.C., And you're still doing your best to try to win these games, a 17-16 win over Wyoming, a competent Mountain West team? Uh, New Mexico is maybe trying to find their peak with a fifth-string quarterback. They won that game. Uh, I'm going to write it here. They they have a great head coach. They have a great defensive coordinator. They're going to get it figured out if they don't win this game, which I think they absolutely will win this game against Fresno. Fresno self-imploded last week and this has been a hell of a long season for a team that wasn't even allowed into their workout facility until two weeks before the season. Now we're talking about being displaced because of COVID-19, not able to have practices in the state of California. Fresno wants this season to be over with, and I think New Mexico will happily oblige them. I love the 12, but I'm going to roll some money line here on the on, on the Lobos.
1: All right. There you have it. You won't have – well, we might still have Triple C Nation coming after us on the voicemails. Don't forget about the voicemails <laughs> this weekend – Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you just take a minute to review, leave a review, five-star review, and on the podcast, I'll do some more giveaways next week. Appreciate your support, as always. It's the last full Saturday. We still have a lot of winners to pick with next weekend, championship weekend, and then bowl season. But let's end it. The last regular season, full Saturday with a bang. Time for us to go do some last-minute work. And we'll catch y'all on the recap on Monday. Cheers.
2: Peace out. We're finished talking.